0: To the world of thoroughbred racing on the EquiSport Radio Network.
1: Alidar's got a lead. Alidar put a head in front, right in the middle of the stretch. It's Alidar and Affirmed battling back along the inside. We'll test these two to the wire. Affirmed under a left-hand whip. Alidar on the outside driving. Affirmed and Alidar heads apart. Affirmed's got a nose in
2: front as they come on to the wire. Join our host, Les Salzman and his team as they go behind the scene to cover the inside stories and history of the international racing scene. And down the stretch they come. On the outside, it's Sunday Silence. Easy-goer
1: with Pat Day. Back to challenge. Heads apart. Easy-goer on the inside with a slight lead. On the outside, Sunday Silence. The rest of them far back. Here's the finish of the breakness.
2: Sunday Silence and easy-goer. Photo finish. Noses apart. Get ready
0: for some great interviews and fast-paced action.
1: She's starting to pick them off, though. Zenyatta going to hook to the outside. Meanwhile, it's Colonel John. Summerbird in the red cap. And Zenyatta's come to the outside. Zenyatta coming, flying on the grandstand side. Gio Ponti on the inside. Summerbird is right there.
2: This is unbelievable. Zenyatta, what a performance one. And now, your host, Les Salzman.
0: Into the stretch and do it with style is in front. Now by a length private treasure on the rail second. Garden Gal is third with Till Forbid fourth. Down the stretch, it's do it with style private treasure. It's between those two, then Garden Gal and Till Forbid nearing the wire. Do it with style and private treasure.
1: Gary, does that uh, ring a bell? Yeah, man, it was like yesterday. <laughs> it's it's funny. I, and degree. By the way, everybody, uh, this is Les Salzman on the Equisport Radio Network, and uh, my very, very special guest and good friend, Gary Contessa. Welcome to the show, Gary. Hey,
0: thanks. Thanks for having me. That, and that th-
1: thanks for one. fitting us in, because I did not realize you had a horse in exactly at the time the show is going on.
0: Don't worry. I got two assistant trainers, and they can put a saddle
1: on one. But we're okay. Okay, good. And I appreciate it. Gary, first of all, I know you had a little surgery last week. Everything's good?
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's all good. Excellent. All good. Good. Just a little uh, like something I've been putting off forever. So I had, and I'm going to tell you, at my age, I had my wisdom teeth pulled. And they weren't exposed. So it was a real mess. And boy, did it, it, you know, it, it threw me off tilt for a couple of days. That's for sure.
1: But you had plenty of ice cream, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> so, the, so that, that's the upside to the deal. Yeah. You, you know, I was looking, Garrett, the other day, I was looking at your record, and we both started training right around the same time. And, you you know, back in the day when you'd send horses down to Atlantic City and everything else, it was great. Yeah. But I didn't realize you've won over 2,300 races.
2: Yeah,
0: it's amazing. I, I often said to myself about Um, Rick Lang called me when I was three wins away from 2000. And I honestly wished he had, not because then it took forever to get those last three and get to 2000. But I thought to myself, geez, I must've been in somewhere in New Jersey when I won 1000. Like in those days, they never made a big deal out of that. And I'm glad they make a big deal out of it now. It's it's a good thing. A lot of effort.
1: It it is. And, you know, and people like yourself who, Work hard every single day. I mean, for, for you and your staff, you know, there's not a lot. Well, there's glamour, but not, not the top-of-the-line glamour that some of these guys are getting. And you're working really hard, and you're winning with claiming horses and allowance horses. And if, you, if nobody knows it, you're under the radar. And now at right. least people see it.
2: Right.
0: Well, you know, it's, it, it's hard racing in New York year-round. You really got to have the right horses because right now, if you take a look at my record today, I'm having an abysmal meet at Belmont. But coming into this meet, I know I have 45 horses and 38 of them are two-year-olds. And you know what happens to you during the the bigger meets? Those two-year-olds are going to be very good when we get to Aqueduct. But it seems like no matter what you do, every time you put a two-year-old in in New York, Somebody's got a million-dollar one they're throwing at you, a two-million-dollar one. I mean, somebody always seems to have a better one. And right now I'm relying on two-year-olds to get me through this meet. And it's just I've got a lot of horses knocking at the door, but they just can't pass that last horse.
1: Well, you're right. And I think that is exactly what's happened in New York. There's always that one. You know, you you go in there and your horse is training really well. And then you look at the entries and there's that one that you say, geez, I'm going to have to be at my best and better to get the right. job done. But when, right. like you said, when you go to Aqueduct, things change a little bit.
0: Yeah, these, the, the, your big trainers are going to take their best horses to Florida, and uh, I, I would help uh, support that 100%. <laughs> I wish they would <laughs> go sooner rather than later.
1: But, but for your owners that stay in New York, with the purses being so good for babies right now, it, it kind of pays to stay there
0: oh yeah and we've had we've had some success we won three baby races at Saratoga but then I kind of then I'm looking at the troops and geez they just don't write I have a bunch that I paid twenty thirty thousand for you know you need a claimer for those that type in New York and they're just not just barely starting to write those kind of races now so things are gonna get better for us
1: now you've always had a great eye for two-year-olds As a matter of fact I, you know, I've always admired that you've been able to buy those twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollar two year olds and get the job done and make them profitable for your owners. Now, did that come? Did you get the eye for the two year olds when you were working way back when at Harborview?
0: Well, that certainly helped. And the interesting thing was, I worked for Jimmy Pacu. That was my first job on the racetrack. And Jimmy Pacu trained for Marge Shock and for. Sandra Payson. So we would get. I mean, we had Willow Hour. We won the uh, Traverse with Willow Hour. We had him as a two-year-old. We had Herschel Walker. Um, we got Ride Sally early before Mrs. Mrs. Payson fell out with Jimmy and went to uh, Nick Zito. I mean, he, we every year he would have some really nice babies, and I loved Jimmy, but I was I was the assistant trainer, and I was a good soldier but I always thought that we sent too many of them home and it there has to be a better way. And I think if I have a strength, it's keeping two-year-olds sound, which is really the hardest part of the whole thing. Two-year-olds are delicate. Two-year-olds are, are like high school kids, and you're not going to stick a needle in the, the quarterback's ankle when he's in high school to get him out there for the next game. You're just not going to do it. You're going to let a kid heal. So I, I kind of pride myself in seeing things way before they become major problems. And, and fixing
1: them, you know, and looking at at your record over the years, your starts per starter is very high. Yeah. You're, you're, and that's difficult in New York, because, as you said, it's a year round. It's a year round circuit that's really kind of pounding. So right. how, how do you get that feel? How does that come to you? Because you're 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 not 32nd generation horseman, you know, how did this come to you? <laughs> My father was an
0: absentee, and my mother drove a school bus, but it's something that I was always enamored with. And, as, and as, as, you know, when we were kids, my mother never said, where are you going when you went out the door? Just you better be home by dinner. So I'd, I'd get on my bicycle at 7 o'clock in the morning and ride the Roosevelt Raceway and stand there in to work with the horse's amazing thing there was always somebody that wanted to pay me nothing and let me work on their horses so i i just i i learned with harness horses because it was all i could do and i on saturdays and sundays i would ride my bicycle along the southern state parkway on the grass from merrick to hempstead lake state park and that lady if i cleaned all 50 stalls She'd let me have two hour ride time. So I'd ride, I'd clean all the stalls on Saturday, all the stalls on Sunday, and then go for a ride. They had a beautiful horse pass through the woods and everything. It was a great place, Hempstead Lake State Park. But I had to knock out 50 stalls in order to ride for free.
1: So you were horse sick from birth. I was.
0: I was. The first time I got dumped on my head was at the 1963 World's Fair in Flushing. I was five and a half years old. And I wanted a pony ride, and the, the guy you know some schleppers taking care of the ponies. he puts me up on the pony, and the pony goes into a bucking fit. I don't know if he had that girth too tight or what. I went airborne and i was and I had this feisty old grandmother from Germany, and she was like really really opinionated and i and I was crying and everything she said, "You get back on that horse." and I said, "No way, I ain't getting back on that horse." she said. You get back on that horse or I'm going to stick you on that horse. And you know what? If she didn't make me get back on that horse at age five, I might not be here talking to you today because I might have developed a fear of horses. So I owe a lot to my my feisty German grandmother who made me get back on that horse because I fell hard.
1: You you know, it's funny. We've known each other for, what, 40-some-odd years. But our, And I never knew this about you. I started with standard breads as well. And ah. I, I think that when you're working with the standard breads, you know, you get a different because their needs are different than a lot of the regular thoroughbred needs. Uh, you get a different feel. But also, when I was a kid, when I started riding, my grandmother used to take me to ride. And as if it was cold, whatever. And I was like the same age as you. You got to get on the horse. You got to get on the horse. So it's interesting that we both have similar backgrounds. Now, when you were with the Standard Breds, did you get get behind any? Did you drive? Oh no, yeah. Or-
0: are you kidding? Those guys, once they realized I could, they let me drive them because they didn't want to be bothered. Half of them would go home and say, "Okay, listen, they jog these three, four miles a piece, and you know you can you can tie them to the walls, you can give them a bath, everything else. You know, we cooled them out. There wasn't like hot walkers and all that stuff at the harness track, as you well know. So yeah, and the interesting thing was when I went to ele- Well, it was not elementary school. I'm going to say junior high school, seventh, eighth, ninth grade. We had a truant officer. That's how old I am. And (laughs) one day I'm jogging a a trotter at Roosevelt Raceway on the training track, and I go past the gap, and there's the the truant officer waving his hands at me and calling me over. And I'm like, oh, man, what am I going to do now? So I I went up alongside some of the guys. You know, I get to know them. And I said, man, that's the truant officer over there. I got to get out of here. He goes, look take them around two more times and pull them up on the backside. I'll have somebody there to grab the horse and you jump over the fence. And that's exactly what it is. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that, that is a classic story. And back in the day, because that was what, in the late sixties, you know, that, that's how that, the racetrack 70, was.
2: Yeah. What's that?
1: What's that? Yeah. That's how the racetrack was. You know, yeah, you had guys was. like that and, and situations like that. Now, since you you bring up the standbreds and you know how you would jog them two three miles, I've noticed when you train, you're with a lot of horses. You're kind of gentle. You take your time and you put a lot of lot of slower miles into them rather than drill them. Is there, there right. a translation from the two sports?
0: You know, I think a lack of mileage is what gets horses hurt, and I think. Having that burning desire to win first time out with a horse, you know, makes you press a horse maybe harder than you want to. So I make it perfectly clear to my owners your horse is going to run better second time out than he is first time out because I get him to a point like 75, 80% and I run him. I don't need to win first time out. I need to know that my two-year-old is going to be a better horse second time out. That's important to me, and I probably have a much better statistic second time out. But I'm into long, I'm into long gallops, I'm into long works. Um, I just think it keeps horses sounder. You know, like I said, I've worked for trainers. I worked for Laz Barrera. I worked for Lesley Nickerson, uh, Scotty Schuhop, all through the Brightview years. Uh, not the Brightview years the uh, harborview years and right. and you know they they really set a horse down and and you know i have always been of the feeling that too many of them go out to the farm so i'm kind of really in touch with trying to keep them going and get them to the races
1: and and i i guess as a result you understand the financial pressure on your owners yes
2: but you know, and, fin- and that's you know, so important no,
0: yeah, the, the biggest financial pr- pressure you can have as an owner is vet bills and farm bills and horses and anything.
1: Yeah. Now, speaking of owners, I've noticed over the last five, six, seven years, you've really expanded your owner base.
0: Well, I'm one of those guys. That I often said, you know, I'm a guy that goes into a gas station, fills up the car with gas and I come out with a tank of gas and a guy that wants 10% of a horse. <laughs>
2: you, you know,
0: that's the that's my thing. I'm constantly promoting this game. So I have I have people in this game at a level that they can afford and believe me they they're having a great time. I mean, we do have a lot of owners and, but and a lot of guys that own a small piece of horse, you know, guys that could never do this before any other way.
1: And a lot of those guys eventually become
0: owners, right? They do, they do. Especially if you do some good with them, you know. Some of them wind up hating you and get rid of you. That's the way it is. But no, most, you know, if you give them a fair shot and you, I promote uh, communication. I think you got to talk to your owners every day. They got a big, they have a big um, expenditure here. I just think that you have to promote, promote, promote. So that's what that's what it's all about. And I, I'm a very good communicator with the owners. They all know what's going on, no surprises.
1: Now when you say you communicate, because that traditionally is what owners complain about the most, right? You know, they say right. Oh, this guy he's like an artist, he never responds to me. Right.
0: And I don't know why that is with my peers, but I have gotten a lot of owners over the years who have come to me saying Man, I, I can't even I can't even get a return phone call from my trainer. So yeah, it's a, it's a strange thing, you know. Uh, I'm glad I'm, I'm you know maybe that's a positive for me and a negative for those guys being a communicator.
1: Have you always been outgoing? Because I think you know you, some trainers hide behind the phone because they're you know shy or whatever. Uh, you always seem like a pretty outgoing guy. Oh, I am. <laughs>
0: I love talking about horses. You know, I do. You know, I do clinics during the summer. I have, I have all You know, I do uh, confirmation clinics. I do all kinds of stuff. I love talking to people about horses. I bring in, I bring in, the public into my barn at Saratoga, and I give tours. And it's like a, it's a, maybe an hour of a talk about horses, and I tell them about the horses' day and the horses' legs and therapy and you know, the training, mental side of training and what we're trying to achieve. And I let them take selfies with the horses and everything else. And, you know, it, we've had a lot of uh, a lot of good luck at bringing those people in. I don't know why Naira doesn't support it, but I, I said, the hell with Naira, I'm going to do it on my own. So I do it on my own. I bring people to the barn all the time and give uh, tours of the barn and let them see the horses and get up close with birds and all.
1: Yeah, and I know you do a lot of video stuff as well. I do. I have about 30
0: uh, videos on YouTube. If you go to YouTube, Gary Contessa, some of it's just funny recollections from, from when I was a kid, and a lot of it is oh, training. I mean, we, talk, we have a feed video. We have a training video, a gate video, a go- guided tour of the uh, Hall of Fame, you know, just all kinds of cool stuff. So, yeah, I, I enjoy it. I did a, when I was young, Dr. Hunt gave me a leg bone from a horse. And it's perfect. The knee is wired on and the ankle is perfect and the sesamoids are there in the foot. And one day I'm looking at that bone and I'm like, man, this would make a great video. So I do a video on the inside of the horse's leg and the way the horse hits the ground and how the, if the blacksmith screws this, you know, a tenth of an inch this way or that way, it's, it's very hard on the horse. And that video got over 50,000 hits on YouTube. And I got a call from like the Hong Kong Jockey Club thanking me for doing that. I got a call from a trainer in Dubai who now calls me all the time and asks me questions about things. So it was I, lo- I love doing the videos. What I love more than anything is when somebody, out of the blue, I'll be at a sale or I'll be just walking down the street and they say, Man, I loved your video. I saw a video the other day. Man, at least that makes it all worthwhile.
1: You're like a modern-day Jay Leno.
0: <laughs> yeah, right. Well, I really enjoy this business, and I enjoy talking about it for sure. But I'm you, getting you know, a little long in the tooth. You, now. You've always
1: had that enthusiasm, but are there some mornings when it's really tough?
0: Yes. Oh, yeah. The, when a horse that you were counting on, you come in in the morning and he's limping, or when it's you know uh, 20 below zero and— 3 or exercise boys calling sick. And, you know, it, this is a tough business. You get you get beat up by 1,400-pound horses constantly, and you've got to rely on the help. You've got to rely There's so many ways to lose a race and only one way to win a race. And there's so many hands on a horse, from the hot walker to the assistant to the foreman to the blacksmith to the vet. So many ways that you can... Screw up a good horse, so there are some very tough days. The toughest days for me is when a horse gets hurt, or you know, God forbid, it has a you know a career-ending injury. That that is very hard for me to stomach. I really, that's the worst day of my life when that happens. It's just awful. So we do everything we can, everything to try and make sure that never happens, and that that includes we inspect every horse before they go to the track. And then at 1030, when we're all done, we inspect every horse again seven days a week. So hopefully that keeps us ahead of the curve, and, you know, and keeps us at least going in the right direction and protecting the horses as well as we can.
1: One, one of the things I admired about you over the years is the fact that you've stayed in New York and you've not branched out to a million different places. And right. I guess that hands-on mentality that you're just talking about is one of the reasons for that.
0: I gotta be in one place. Branching out never worked for me. We we would have to do it on occasion when we did the New Jersey circuit because New Jersey circuit every track is two hours away from the other one, so you you'd be living at Monmouth, you're racing at Meadowlands, getting ready to go to Garden State, Atlantic City. So it, it, it's never worked for me. I need to be I need to be seeing these sources every day, and so that's why New York works very well for me.
1: And and for a family man. It's important, too, because you have a home base.
0: Yes. And you know that horse trainers probably hold one of the hottest percentages of divorce in this country, too, because it's not easy for a non-horse person to understand their horse-training husband. Me, I've gotten lucky. I, I've had the same the same wife, but it's it's very hard. I mean, it seems like every time we have tickets to a Broadway show— we get a colic or we get a horse that gets hurt or something like that. And, and you have to have the wife that's going to say, okay, go take care of business. Uh, we'll do it again another time. So, How long have you guys business. been married? I've been married 24 years. This, this is my second wife, but I don't really remember the first one. The, the first one was uh, one of my exercise girls, and it was fairly short-lived.
1: We, we, we were all younger then. Yes, Absolutely.
0: And, you know, getting back to do it with style, You did you get to see that race or just hear the I call did. just now? Well, that was the first three-year-old filly in the history of racing in the United States to win a grade one with no whip. I took the whip away from Shane Sellers the morning of the race. I did not want her hit with a whip. And she won that, she won that race by half a head. But she dug in. That was her thing. If you hit her... We throw her ears back, swish her cow. I told Julie Crone that in the Comely, the race before the Ashland Stakes. And Julie Crone's three in front, and she hits her. And we wind up getting caught on the money after she threw, slung her cow. And I really had to think about that for like a month. Was I going to take, did I have the guts to take the whip away from this filly in a grade one? Bring her all the way to Keelan and take away the whip. And the night before, I said, yeah, I do. I'm going to do it. And the day of, the stewards at Keeneland must have asked me 10 times. They said, we're going to come in here and tell it yourself. They weren't even sure it was me on the phone. <laughs> they, they, they must have asked me 10 times, are you
1: sure you want to do this?
0: Are you sure you want to do this? And it wound up being the right thing.
1: Now, was, was she funny about the whip in the morning? or She,
2: Did you just she have an was instinct? funny
1: about the whip always. You could
0: not whip her. And you can't tell a jockey to not whip a horse. This was Shane Sellers' first grade one win. And he said to me in the in the winter circle, he said, Gary, it's a damn good thing you didn't give me a whip because I sure as shit would have won it. He, he only won he only won by half a head.
1: Yeah, no, it was game effort down the lane. Yeah. But that was her. The whip situation. Go ahead, I'm sorry.
0: No, I said that was her, rock solid, and that was – that was for Leonard Green,
1: who was just, you
0: know, he's been such a incredible owner all his life. I mean, you remember when he had Walter Reese, he had like 100 yep. horses in training, and then Alan Seawald, and I got him after he got mad at Alan Seawald, and I've had him ever since. So you know, I have my share for him, that's for sure. I have eight or ten horses at all times.
1: No, Le- Leonard's been great for a lot of trainers in the Northeast and Mid-Atlantic, and you've, you've got to give the guy credit for for staying local, also, yeah, and and staying loyal to the program.
0: Well, he's got a, he's going to Santa Anita
1: next week. I know you got him uh, next week, right?
0: Yeah, we got in. We were lucky enough to get in. I lobbied pretty good to get that horse in there. I mean, first of all, his first race he runs second to Greenlight Go on the dirt, who's arguably one of the top five horses in the country on the dirt. Then he comes back in an off the turf where he wins. Then he wins the the, um, the Skidmore stakes on the turf and in the futurity, which was a win in year in, I thought it was a cinch, and he comes out of the gate, he hyperextends, and he rips both shoes off, coming out of the gate. Manny Franco tells me the shoe went right past his head. I'm like and the horse never gave up. He got beat four and a half lengths and never gave up and was sore as a boil the next day having no shoes on with the pounding he took on the turf course. But he we fixed them. We got him the therapy he needed. We fixed his feet. I worked him last Saturday. He worked great, and he's going to work again this Saturday and fly to fly to uh, Santa Anita on Sunday.
1: Got to be exciting for you, you yeah, know, to, to nice. just be there. But also, the, obviously, with the work that you've done on this horse, it's got to be a great feeling to to see something come come your way.
0: Yeah, you know, when I was at the the um, the sale at Gulfstream Park. And Len Green came up to me and he said, "Uh, Gary, um, we just bought a horseback through the ring. I'm going to send him to you if that's okay. And I'm like, oh, yeah, great. Who's the bike? He goes, American Pharoah. I'm like, oh, man, how nice is this? Talk about being in the right place at the right time.
1: Well, you know, that's part of it. But you also have that relationship with Len. I do.
0: I do. And he's a great, great man. He is so benevolent. He's just an incredible guy. He's got so much going on. And he's the most benevolent guy you ever want to meet.
1: Yep. Uh, I've known I've known him almost as long as I've known you. And, and it's yeah. a great family. The, yeah, they're good yeah. people. Uh yeah. John this
0: horse, Dor- they're all so good. Daryl, Debbie, the whole family, Lois, I mean the sweetest people in the world.
1: Now, this horse, another miracle, you mentioned he's an American pharaoh, and you you got him going on the grass. Is that because well, of football? A no. no, 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 no. He
0: he won a stake on the grass at Saratoga
2: a after he seat. broke his maiden right. on the
0: dirt. But you, you got to understand, you know, I'm in Saratoga. My head is spinning. I got so much work to do. And I win the race with another miracle. And somebody, and one of the um, the press writers says to me, hey, Gary, can you believe that's the first American pharaoh anywhere to win on the dirt? I'm like, you got to be kidding me. He goes, no. He goes, the first eight American Pharaohs to win, all one on the grass. Right. So I'm like, hmm. So I'm looking at the stake book, and there's two options, five and a half on the turf in the Skidmore or um, the hopeful. And I didn't think off that win he was ready for the hopeful, seven furlongs. So I so I, um, I just went for the five and a half turf with the knowledge that that horse was throwing turf horses. And sure enough, I worked him on the grass in Saratoga, and he, like, flew over it. I loved his work. They just have a way. They change their action. They're so comfortable when you get one that really likes it. And he was amazing. So the other thing with this horse is, and he's not a big horse. If you happen to see him, he's a small in stature horse. He's got a tremendous heart, but he's not a big horse horse. He's a very small horse. He's like 15 hands. So- but he's very
1: athletic, though. Oh, you know, when you look talented.
0: at him, he's he's like yeah. a cat. He's he is the he is the perfect example of. It doesn't matter how big they are. It's, it's it matters how much desire they have. And he desires to win. He's a good colt.
2: Well,
1: you're going to go out there, uh, I guess, on Sunday. No, you're you're going to stay out there for a few days.
0: I'm going to fly out Monday and stay all week.
1: Great, good. So when when you're gone, you've got people that have worked for you for years. Do you want to mention their names because you've yeah. you've had yeah. a good group for years.
0: I, I have Amira Chachakli. She's been with me for about eight years. She's a rider and assistant trainer. And I have Juan Gonzalez, who's been with me about fifteen years. And he's just an assistant trainer. I mean, he's my other assistant trainer. I mean, he we refer to him as the number one assistant trainer so that we can avoid arguments. But uh, he's been with me a long time, and he knows what I like and what I don't like. And that's that, you know, he, he thinks like I do. So I like that. And then down in Florida, I have John Diaz, who everybody loves. He comes up for Saratoga, and he does whatever we do in Florida for the winter. I'm, I'm going to send a couple of... Of Mister Green's turf-only horses to Tampa this year, and I'm going to give John Diaz down there a shot to win some races. Just well,
1: that, a that's a great or turf, turf course over
0: there. Me. What's
1: that? That Tampa course is a great turf course.
0: Oh man, I I love the track. I love um, I love the owners. Um, it, it's just Mrs. Day is so nice, and this racing secretary is so nice. You know what I said to myself? I said. I go, to, I go to Gulfstream every winter with, you know, a handful of horses, maybe two grooms and six, six to eight horses. And I, get, I lose money every single day. If I'm going to lose money this year, I'm going to lose money at Tampa. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a nice place. It'll be my first foray there, although I did run in the Tampa Bay Derby, you know, way early in my career and finished second with uh, Abel Buck. But uh, that was my only, that was my only um, action at, at uh, Tampa was that horse.
1: No, I think you'll like it there. It's, you know, that old school kind of racetrack that you and I came up with. Yeah, uh, and I like it. It's, I like it. It's and, it's, very, and the horses seem to do real well there. Yep, I agree. So l- let's, let's transition for a second because w- one of the things that, you know, you talked about how you take care of the horses and how you look after them, uh, but you're also involved in something called the Acceler Fund. Yes. And – and that goes hand-in-hand hand with your your mentality of the horse is under your shed row. You, know, you want to make sure that you're doing the best for him. Tell, tell us a little bit about the Acceler Fund.
0: Well, we all know, uh, you know, for those that don't know, Acceler was a horse that went to, I believe, Sweden, um, and he did not work out. I mean, Acceler is the horse that beat Affirmed and Seattle Slough here in one of the greatest races ever. He came from way back the day that... The day that a firm saddle slipped and Seattle flew, and, and a firm went like one oh nine the first three quarters, and excella come from the clouds. He won. He was subsequently sold, sent to um, sent to Sweden, and wound up in a slaughterhouse. So, I am very much anti-slaughter. I mean, we, I, I just can't believe that we. I've been training horses my whole life. And we had no visible, you know, coming up in the 70s, the 80s, 90s, it wasn't a mindset. Hey, where does this horse go after I give him away to somebody? Because that person can't afford him, and he throws him in a, in, a, in a kill pen. So now there is such a consciousness about horses and having a career after racing that it's something that I, I wanted to get involved with. Now, I didn't. they called me. And they said, we need a president. And this was about 15 years ago. And I'm like, okay, I'll do it. And I, I spent 10, 12 years as president for the Acceler Fund. And what we do is our, our core is the horses that retire injured. And they were great racehorses, but they retire with an ankle. It's not going to make them the greatest riding horse or a suspensory or a broken knee or whatever. And we call them Racing's Warriors. And that's the kind of horse that we're looking to retire and carry for the rest of his life. So we get, we get a grant from uh, uh, the um, Thurber Retirement Foundation. We we have fundraisers and whatnot, the Acceler Fund, and mainly we're on the we get our money from the backs of moms and pops all over the country. That's like people send us ten, fifteen bucks. It's like you know you get that thing in the mail and somebody sends you ten dollars or fifteen dollars and you're thrilled. So that's the Acceler Fund. We have thirty four satellite farms that look after upwards of one hundred and fifty horses for us.
1: I didn't and, realize that there were that many. Horses in the program. Oh yeah, and and it, and
0: as a matter of fact, you guys saw the movie Sea Biscuit, right? The horse right. that starred in that movie is one of ours. So well, that's pretty we, cool. We lent him to uh, to the movie people for that because he was a sound retired horse, and he had such a good mind, and he was so cool about everything. We thought it would be a great, great, great work for that part, and he did that part. He 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 wound up becoming a movie star. So people go to that farm just to see him.
1: Well, that, that's excellent. We have, actually have a couple of uh, former New York racehorses here at our farm. Uh, matter of fact, one that you probably remember, Teo uh who yeah. banged around Pendant. there for years. And uh, right. he, he's actually replacing my dog as a puppy, I think. Uh, but he's that great. Horse, and, when, you know, it's was... great that we're able to give these horses a – yeah. A, a forever home as they say without sounding corny uh Gary I gotta that let horse. you go because I've held you here for 40 minutes and I know you yeah, want to well see done. how that horse cools out yeah uh,
2: we'd love, past me. We'd love to, 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 have to have you cool back Al. on
1: the show and uh okay. best of luck on uh on Thanks. next week in the breeders cup and uh nice send my regards Full to Leonard time,
0: man. I love talking and uh to you.
1: always a pleasure to talk to you my friend all right take we'll take back. a little break. And, on the other side, we're going to have Ursel Ellis with us. They are superstar athletes, but they don't ask for more money or go on strike. They bring their best every time they play. They are great thoroughbreds, retired, at old friends.
0: And here's Commentator turning for home in the Whitney with a three-length lead. And here's Commentator to win the Whitney again. And boy, he did it with some front-running style today.
1: All Commentator wants is a peppermint and to hang out with a couple of his pals, like Eclipse Award winners Hidden Lake and Sunshine Forever, or even a Breeders' Cup champ.
0: Prize the surging, Sierra Roberto toward the inside, a driving finish in the turn, and here's the wire, and it is
1: prize! Many of the past superstars of our sport are still running around, so come visit them at Old Friends in Georgetown, Kentucky, or at our Bobby Frankel division, Old Friends in Saratoga. I know they'll be glad to see you. Go to oldfriendsequine.org or call us at 502-863-1775. Hey, Ursel, welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Les. Appreciate it. Great great to have you on. And, uh, you know, for those folks that don't know Ursel Ellis, uh, first of all, he's like a family member to me because every Saturday for the last probably 15 years, I've been listening to the guy on the radio, he and Jackie and... uh, it's not a Saturday morning without Ursula and Jackie. Uh, well, so we, we want to thank you for that. Uh,
3: well, thank you very much. I wanted to on the listener wasn't. I didn't know it was in Florida.
1: Yeah. Uh, we. <laughs> it, it, it's. You, you want to hear a funny story? Uh, yeah. I just mentioned uh, to Gary Contessa uh, that we have a horse on the farm who uh, won a bunch of races in New York. And what, the first day that we got him in, we got him in, on a Saturday, and he came to the barn about 6 o'clock in the morning. And we've got one of those little Amazon dots in the barn to listen to your show. Well, the horse is settling in, settling in, and, you know, at the beginning of your show, you have the call to the post. Well, this son of a buck's ears went straight up. He thought he was back at the racetrack. And uh, so... He, he's he's now an Ursal listener also.
3: Well, he uh Horses have great memories, you know. They don't forget too much. And I've seen that happen before. I was used to train, and uh, uh, there was a local program on at the time, and I was leading the horse down to the uh, to the track, and uh, uh, that program came on, and the the uh, the bugle blew, called the post, and and he did exactly the same thing. If you say he, he stopped dead in his tracks and looked. And know, that's so exactly he,
1: what he, his, he did his eyes got clear and he he focused A big now, you, used to tra- you you uh, used to train for many years right well
3: yeah i just trained my own um you know we pulled folks and uh we raised i had I bought four more mares, four mayors off the track one i trained uh the progeny the uh, that out of those those four mayors and uh uh, you know, they didn't have a whole lot of pedigree, I bought them because they could run, they're athletes, and uh, we did very well with three of them, one of them wasn't worth a ham sandwich, but uh, we, uh, we'd sell the ones, we'd get them ready to run and sell them, you know, and uh, and we would train the leftovers. We did it for 20, 25 years, my guess. It didn't make a whole lot of money, we had a lot of fun. And, uh, it's cool pretty good for, for gambling. I, I'm not much of a gambler because, uh, I lost too much money on my own horses. <laughs> but, uh, we had a lot of fun, Jack and I, and we raced mostly around Kentucky. We're staying here at the Thoroughbred Center, uh, out on, uh, you know, here in, in, uh, I live in Berlin County, but, uh, uh, the Thoroughbred Center is a 15 minute drive from where I live, uh, close to Lexington.
1: Now for a lot of people that, or in our generation. That that was built by the Murdy brothers, right?
3: The Murdy brothers? No. It was founded by uh Neil Pesson. Not okay. no not, not, Neil's dad, Arnold Pessin. And um uh, he had a partner, um, the guy that owned Caleb, you know, uh, that stood Caleb and uh bread candy spots and all those horses, you know, he was a partner found in that place. It was founded back in the 60s, and uh, it's, but it's, Kingdom owns it now, and it's a wonderful facility. Most of the trainers there are local people that, uh, uh, like us, uh, that I was on the track for a while, but uh, found that, you know, as I kind of got married, and that was, that, that got me off the track right away, so... <laughs> But uh, anyway, so uh, we raised our own and, and raised stay here the year round, you know. Races they have year round racing here, as uh, in Kentucky as you probably know.
2: Right. But,
1: now you mentioned that you're local people, and this gives me an opportunity to kind of move to to the book that you just wrote because it's kind of a it, it's really really interesting and. Uh, let's talk about that, if we could, because it it brings back kind of the history of the sport in Kentucky and, and the, gives a real feel for how it was.
3: You, oh, you mean my book? Your book. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, it was kind of a memoir. You know, it's no big deal. Uh, I never in this world thought I was going to write a book, but, uh, you know, I've been doing that show that I'm doing now still for 25 years, and... I'd get on there and tell a few stories, you know, and about old-time horses and things. And some of them might have been true, even. And uh, But uh, people started, you know, why don't you uh, write a book? And, uh, and I never thought much about it. Finally, my wife, Jackie, got on me about it. And, and uh, I didn't want to sleep on the couch, so I said, all right, I'll give it a shot. And, uh, yeah, it sounded pretty good. I was shocked. Uh, that it up uh, I don't know where you can get it in Florida, but uh, well, you got to go to Amazon, I guess.
1: And, and well, and, and we've got it at, at our tax shop. You know, we have a tax shop called Racetrack Supply, and uh, we've actually sold a few books. And if somebody goes on to Racetrack Supply and buys one of the books, we're donating five dollars for each book that we sell to old friends. So, uh, yes. Mike Michael Blow is on the show every week with me. I know. Uh, yeah. Matter of fact. My wife and I argue because I say he has a Boston accent and she says he doesn't.
3: He had a for that. I, I say it, you he know? has
1: a Boston accent and she says no, nah, he, he lost that. But I yeah. think he still has it.
3: <laughs> well, anyway, yes, I, I love Michael and he does. I don't think there's anybody in the world that done it to except Michael what he did with that, you know, I thought, I thought it was out of his mind when he told me what he was going to do, you know, and, uh, but I put him on the air and he started coming on the show every week and he, he thought it helped him a little bit. So, uh, I hope it did. I'd like, I like feel like it did, you know, help him get the word out. But actually, you know, he'll been there. I'm sure. Have you been there, old friend?
1: No, you know what? I've never been down. Every time we go to Kentucky, we never get there. And uh, we probably should.
3: Oh, absolutely. It's, it's, uh, it's, geez, they got the Derby winners and, and, uh, Belmont Stakes winners and, and, they don't have a Triple Crown winner yet, but you know, maybe some day a guild will win it and they'll get it. <laughs> but, uh, uh, I doubt seriously if, if Justify will end up there, but anyway. Uh, they they, it's, and they take such good care of them and, and um, it's a big, big tourist attraction. People come from all over to look at these horses. Uh, it's amazing what what he's done with that. And,
1: and no, he, he's promoted it so well, and it's become the standard for everybody else.
3: Well, that's exactly right. And, you know, he's, uh, of course, you know, aftercare now is a big thing. And we I've got four horses on our farm here that I'm trying to have with uh, the youngest one's 21 and, uh, uh, the oldest one's 27. And, uh, two of them I trained, one was a rescue and then my, the other, the fourth is, uh, a mare that my mother used to, my, that Jackie used to fox hunt. And, uh, but anyway, it was, I'm looking out the, the window here now at them and, um, they're out there grazing. Grass is good here. Although we've had a dry summer, but still. It's hard to keep grass down in Kentucky. You had a rain, you know, and now it's all green again. So, thank uh, a good
1: Lord, for that. Now, the, the four that you have, you know, one of the things that I like most about listening to your show is your understanding of pedigree. So, well, the, 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 mare, I, the mares that you bought, were they based on your philosophy or?
3: Well, uh, you know, I write all own commercials. Uh, and I've got some great sponsors. I've got sponsors. I used to do a race result show here. I did that for 50 years, believe it, and I started doing it in 1960. It was a 15-minute show, and uh, I would get the national race result uh, off uh, an old Associated Press teletype machine, you know, rip them off and look at my racing form which was you could afford at that time <laughs> right? and, uh, you know, get the race results and all of them out, I could get in. And, uh, so, uh, you know, I would write my commercials for that. And, and uh, a lot of my sponsors have been with me for geez, 25 years or something like that. You know what I mean? Forever, you know, there's respect was one of my first sponsors that, uh, uh, you know, Burton Jones is a wonderful, wonderful person and folks over here at Claiborne, and, you know, people like that. And when he, you know, you write your commercials and, and, uh, as long as I've been doing, you, you do your homework, you know, it's a whole lot easier now with, with, uh, with a, uh, computers, you know, as a matter of fact, I quit the, doing the Race off show because, you know, it was, People go away. about ten years ago. I think it was a fifteen-minute show, and uh, I, because the computer was just kind of make me obsolete. So, but I was also at that time doing the the, uh, the two-hour show every Saturday morning. So, uh, the two-hour bar- show is
1: like a piece of gold. Not to embarrass you, but you know, we do a show. Lots of people do a show. Nobody does a show like you do, and it, as a horseman, I appreciate it. And you know. I, you know, I'll, I'll thank you publicly for that uh, because you're you keep you're keeping the sport alive the right way.
3: Well, thank you so much for that. You know, I've I've been around. I'm 88 years old, and uh, uh, you know, it's uh, I've seen a lot of racing, and you know, a lot of great horses and lots of not so great. As you notice in my book, I write about some horses that nobody heard about but me. <laughs> you know,
1: but that was, was the nice thing about the book because everybody writes about the same horses over and over again.
3: Well, that's that's true. But I saw some of these old champions. Like, you know, a great trivia, trivia, trivia question would be it was the champion trio in 1944 and uh, I had to look it up. It turned out to be a horse named Bajinini. So I said, well, I'm going to I on write a little bit about Bajinini, which I did. And... You know, horses like that, and great horses. I grew up with, with Man of War, you know. Uh, my dad. Now, the, the section you did on, on
1: Man of War in the book I thought was great.
3: Well, thank you. Uh, my dad put the first halter on him in 1917. He was working for all Belmont. That was his first job in a horse. And uh, I, saw, I saw the horse first when I was about six years old. And um, my dad took me to see him. He told me at the time, he said, you take a good look at this horse, boy, because you'll never see another one like him. And he was right. I never have. And uh I grew up on Vixiana Farm, which is uh, just a 20, 25-minute bike ride. And, you know, wasn't much traffic out on the roads at that time. And from far where Mary in the War was, and I would drive over, and I got to know Mr. Harbert and uh, uh, his groom. And... and uh uh, he was, he was a wonderful man. And, uh, uh, my dad just told me to go over and keep my mouth shut and, and call him Mr. Harbert because he was a great horseman and maybe i would love up and be like him someday. <laughs> but, uh, I, uh, and consequently, I know I've heard a lot of these tales and as I say, some of them might have been true. And uh, actually, I was talking tales. to Steve
1: Coffin the other day and, you know, he did some work over at Dixiana. And I sent him a copy of the book because he he really didn't know about Man of War's history on the on the farm, and so it's great that we're able to share some of that stuff. Who is this now? Uh, Steve Coffin. Oh yeah, yeah. The John- yeah, Yeah, yeah. But uh, so he's he's doing some work over there, and I mentioned to him the book, and I'm sure he's enjoying it now. Well, good. Well, thank you. The, the book. The book talks about horses like Man of War and you know some of the others, but who are some of your personal favorites? Because I, I know you've got to latch on to some horses in all these years.
3: Well, well, yeah. Most of the uh, you know the old Dixiana horses was Man of was a tan two year old uh, uh, in nineteen. She was full the same year as I was. Uh, Dixiana had three stakes winning fillies. That year, 1931, and, uh, I was full in 1931. That's my dad used to tell me it was definitely a Philly year. But, <laughs> but, but, uh, he, Matt Hair was always one of my favorites, and of course her, her son, Spy Song, who was a stud, and my dad loves Spy Song. He was, a, he was, a, to this day, one of the fastest horses I've ever seen come out of gate. I mean, he, he would make a, a good start look like bad. Uh, and quarter horses people were dying to breed to him. And his dad would get all kinds of calls from out west that wanted to breed to Spice On, you know. And, uh, but I mean, he was a very successful son of Valadier. And, and, uh, the second best, well, Valadier was a sire, sire. Double J was better better sire than Spice On, but, uh, uh, the, the two of them were very excellent. Double J, of stood over at the favorite song. Top service, but, uh, uh, so he was one of my favorites. So, I, you know, I had some favorites, uh, down through the years that, uh, I got to see swap run out in California. I saw him set a world right now. You were in
1: there. the service out there, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I was
3: there. And, um, also, uh, I was, the first time I went to Florida was the 1950, the winter of 19, fall 56. And I was there for 1957. Uh, crop of three-year-olds playing. I saw General Duke set a world record in the, um, Florida Derby, beating Bull Ruler and those horses, you know. That was, that was my estimation, and I'll be glad to argue with you about this, but I think that was the best crop of, of three-year-olds in history. And, uh, it was Table and Gallup Man, and, and even, you know, Federal Hill was a brilliant Myler and uh, Clem, who was a giant killer, he beat, ended up beating Roundtable four times, ended up beating him at equal weight. And, uh, he was, I said Vertex, was a, uh, went on to be, he was a little slow developing, but he was a, a wonderful handicap horse, the best in the East, uh, when he was a four or five year old. Uhm, the I math mean, Roundtable was in the West most of the time, but you know, and Vertex was a beautiful horse and they, the they became
1: great sires too. You know, they, they've stayed in the pedigree for, for decades and decades.
3: yeah, well, well of course, Bo Lulu was uh top list six times, and uh, that was you know, that's still a record. Now, I think you had to go back to Starshoot around the turn, <clears throat> excuse me, around the turn of the century out at Hamburg place, but uh, to get close to him, but uh, Bo Lulu was a, I, I got to see him, of course, after he went to Just people over and are so nice, you know, you they, you go over there and they show you around, you know. And uh, it's a, I don't know, It's a, you need to come up there a little we'll, we'll have a tour. You
1: you know what? My wife, Laura, said one of her goals is to have lunch with you and Jackie, so we're going to have to do that.
3: Well, there's a wonderful little place right here in, in Paris that, uh, I uh, he was Dr. Copeland, Dr. Bob Copeland. I don't know if you know him, Bob.
1: Yeah, uh, I met him a long, long time ago.
3: Well, he's you know a world famous veterinarian. He's retired, and uh, he is ninety four, and I'm eighty eight. And I love to tell him that I, I love to hang around with my elders. So, <laughs> <laughs> but he's a wonderful man, and uh, of course, he was a great veterinarian. You talk about tales. He's the one that. that uh, to write a book i mean he he can keep you in stitches with some of these tales that he talked about we, we have lunch together over here it's a little restaurant in paris called will's and they're just open for breakfast and lunch Close at three o'clock and it's just you know it's great food and, and great company paris kentucky is the friendliest little town you've ever been in in your life i mean you're going there and you're yeah you can't go to the post office without Completely, you know, everybody wants me to smile and say good morning, or, you know, whether you know them or not. You know, it's a wonderful town. It's, it's a great place. To live. I'm blessed to be living here today, too. Well, Got some good business, okay. too. Ho-
1: hopefully, we get to get, get to get together with you guys. And when you come to my Kentucky, producers, it's telling me that it's almost time for happy trails. So,
2: okay. Ursula, <laughs> as always,
1: you end your show with the Happy Trails. We end it with Born to Run. But as always, it's a pleasure talking with you. Please send my regards to Jackie. And uh, anything we can do to help move that book, we're, we're all for it. And I Boy, keep on bugging Michael to bug you to do a second edition of that Joe Palmer CD. Oh, I've
3: got some of those That's, that's, that's my favorite CD in the time. history of the world. Oh, well, my goodness. Okay, well, appreciate that, too. So. With anyone, anyway, I'm serious. So give me a call and it's the next time you're in Kentucky and we'll uh, we we'll take a tour flavor and uh, I'd like to go out and see Arrogate. Uh, I haven't had a I'll, I'll be more than happy here. to take you. Anytime, come on up.
1: Okay, send so my regards. And folks, okay. thanks for joining us today on the Equisport Radio Network. Uh, we'll be back with you shortly. And uh, Don Newsom, thank you out there in California. We appreciate your help at the control panel. And we'll see you in a couple of weeks.